come in. Welcome. I'm E.G. Marshall, Chamberlain to this curious court of the mysterious and the macabre. There's a certain species of alleged human beings that delights in the practice of the practical joke. In ancient days, this was a rather hazardous pastime. It was said the immortal gods frowned on jokers because they considered the practical joke something that only they themselves had the right to play. In a way, they may have been correct, since it can be argued that the gift of life itself was the greatest practical joke the gods ever played on mankind. Our mystery drama, The Transformation of Joe B., written especially for the Mystery Theater by Sam Dan and stars Hans Conried. It is sponsored in part by Anheuser-Busch Incorporated, Brewers of Budweiser, and Buick Motor Division. I'll be back shortly with Act One. Let me have men about me that are fat, and such as sleep nights. Yon Cassius hath a lean and hungry look. Such men are dangerous. So, the fat men have become the good guys, and the skinny ones are the bad guys, just because William Shakespeare said so. But with all due respect to the immortal bard, where are the facts? Where is the body of evidence to prove that the fats are less treacherous than the leans. We're about to regale you with the tale of a jolly fat man named Joseph B. Jefferson. Joseph B. Jefferson. No one knew him better than I did. And looking back on it, I see I didn't know him very well at all. Folks called him Joe B. He didn't sleep at night much either. How could he? He was forever thinking up little tricks to play on people. Little harmless tricks. Like he'd shake hands with you and in his palm he'd have this thing concealed that'd scare you out of your wits. But he didn't mean no harm. And like he'd offer a fellow a cigar. And when the fellow'd light up and the cigar would explode. Well, there'd be such a comical look on that fellow's face you couldn't help but laugh. And although Joe B was big, six foot three, weighed three hundred, he could move real quick and quiet. Why, he could just slither up unseen to a person in less than a minute, that person be hopping up and down like a Zuni Indian doing a rain dance. Joe Bede slipped him a hot foot, you see. But Joe B reserved his funniest jokes for Will Tatum. Will's a quiet sort. He's educated, been to college and all, but, oh, he really ain't smart. Don't have much ambition. Satisfied to be a bookkeeper down to the mill. Still and all, Will did marry Martha Drake. The fact is, Martha did choose him over Joe B. It seems like Joe B never could get over it. He's always visiting Will and Martha as if he just couldn't believe that they're married. Well, one Sunday morning. Oh, oh, Joe B. Well, how are things, Will? Oh, fine, fine. Come on in. Yeah. Martha around? No, she's out shopping. On a Sunday? Well, you know, Martha, she likes to look around for antiques. <laughs> yeah, that's a foolishness. Hey, there's something new on that sideboard there. What's that in that bowl? Goldfish? Oh, no, that, that's a little turtle. Is that a fact? A turtle? 
<laughs> why does anybody want a turtle? Uh, just for a pet. Well, you want to have a pet, why not get a dog? Well, you don't have to walk a turtle. <laughs> Is this here uh, turtle have a name? Oh, yes. That's uh, Tartarucus. Tartarucus? Tartarucus. It means turtle in Greek. Oh, I see. <laughs> Sure, old Tartar is okay. Well, he seems happy enough. That's for a turtle. He don't look too well to me, Will. He he doesn't? No, no, he, he appears a bit peaked. I'd say he's ailing. What do you feed him? Uh, you know, little bits of chopped meat, bugs, whatever. Well, he's just not thriving. You got yourself a sick turtle on your hands, Will. Gee, is that how he looks to no, you? No, don't, don't you worry now, Will. We'll pull him through. couple days, Joe B. was walking around town with that great big smile on his face. And if you knew Joe B., you knew a special stunt was brewing. Hey, Will. Will, look what I got for you. How's old Tartar? Well, all right, I guess. Uh, 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 He appears a bit sluggish to me, but I got something here to pep him up. I phoned a professor at the state college. He said they were working on a specialized turtle diet. Really? Yeah, yeah. A diet that'll make a turtle grow... Strong, healthy, and bigger. And he sent me some in this here package. A special diet? Yeah, so why not try it out on old Tartar? Oh, I, I, I'm not sure he needs no, it. No, no, Will. Will, this comes direct from State College. Could it be bad? Well, no. Well, then give it a try. What do you got to lose? I'll see you around, Will. Uh, give my best to Martha now. Uh, uh, yeah, I'll do that, Joby. So long, Will. I wonder what the ingredients of this diet could be. Probably highly concentrated protein. Will? Well, now, wait. Uh, oh, Martha. I didn't know you were home. Now, you hold it. Don't you feed any of that stuff to Tartarucas? But Joe B. said I that... know what Joe B. said. I heard every word. But if you were home all this time, why didn't you come in here and say hello to him? Because I cannot stand the sight of Mr. Joseph B. Jefferson. And don't feed that junk to the turtle. Why? It's a trick. Oh, what kind of trick? If Joseph D. Jefferson's involved, there has to be a trick. But what kind of a trick could anyone possibly play on a turtle? Well, it just goes to show how no one should ever underestimate Joe B. Well, it wasn't more than about two weeks later. Martha? Yes, dear? You look, come here. Hmm? Is it my imagination, or is Tartarucas actually growing... Well, um... You know, I'm sure of it. That turtle is actually getting bigger. He, he does seem larger. Sure, he couldn't have been more than two inches in diameter when we bought him. And and now look at him, he's at least three. Uh-huh. It's that diet. The diet Joe B. got for me from the state college. Look what it's been doing for Tartarucas. Well, I'm afraid. He's growing bigger every day. What in the world could possibly be wrong? I tell you, that turtle seemed to grow about an inch every week. And poor Will started telling everybody about the sensational diet Joe Bede got for him. How it was performing miracles for his turtle. But folks here all wised up. The minute Joe B's name was even mentioned, they knew there was a trick in it. And everybody caught on what it was. Even Martha. One morning, she come in to see me. Lester, you tell Mr. Jefferson to cut it out. 
Cut what out, Marshal? Now, don't you look so innocent. You know what he's doing. He's got a bunch of turtles of different sizes, and he's switching them on poor Will. Well, that ain't against the law, Martha. I'll tell you what is against the law, Lester. And as deputy sheriff, you want to be aware of it. Now, Martha... Sneaking into our house while Will's at the plant and I'm teaching school, now that's trespassing. Now, Martha, you can't prove. Why is everybody in this town so terrified of Joseph B. Jefferson? You want to swear out a warrant for his arrest? you got to have evidence. Now, look, Martha, why don't you tell Will what Joe B.'s up to, and then it'll be all over. I, I, I can't do that, Lester. Why can't you? Because I'm Will's wife. I should think that that was just because you're Will's wife. Look, everybody in town's laughing at him, Lester, and if I tell him, it means I'm in on the joke, too, that, that I was smart enough to see something he couldn't. No. No, as far as Will's concerned, I can't know anything about all this, Lester. Well, I don't know what I can do, Martha. Well, you tell Joe B. this, for me. Tell him the very next time he sneaks into the house to switch those turtles, I might just be waiting there with a 12-gauge. Now, Martha, there's no now, need to I get... might just be a scared and nervous lady alone in the house, frightened by what I think is a prowler. I could be so frightened out of my wits, I might just shoot first. Now, Martha, you're only looking for trouble. Now, just think, if, if I kill him by mistake, the joke finally would be on him, wouldn't it? Well, I told Joe B. what she said. But I seen right off it was a mistake, because now a new element had been added, danger. And now there was a light in his eye. His face become flushed. And now I became scared. <laughs> he called it off. Why, Lester, I'd just begun. <laughs> now, look, Joe B., how much larger can a turtle get? Well, you ain't going to get any larger. You see, this particular stunt is a double reverse. Yes, sir. The first double reverse of my career. That old turtle is going to get smaller. Smaller? <laughs> How can he get smaller? The exact way he got bigger. With with a little help from his friends. <laughs> Evening, Will. Oh, come on, Joby. Martha around? Oh, no, she's out shopping. For antiques, huh? No, groceries. Will, I'm afraid I don't have good news. Matter of fact, it could be pretty bad news for old Tartar. Why, what's wrong? Well, you know that professor over the college? He called me on the phone. He said not to feed any more of that stuff to old Tartar. But, Joe B., I don't understand. Tartarook seems to be thriving. Well, he is, and he ain't. You see, the professor said they just made an amazing discovery about that diet. It seems that after a while, the turtle, instead of growing bigger, starts getting smaller. Smaller? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He starts growing smaller and smaller until one day, well, there just ain't nothing left of him at all. He just disappears. And that's exactly what began to happen. It appeared to poor Will Tatum that his turtle was growing smaller and smaller in front of his eyes. Everybody in town thought it was the most comical thing. But what everybody didn't know was the game Martha was playing with Joe B. She was waiting for him with that double-barreled shotgun. But she couldn't be in the house 24 hours a day, and so far, Joe B. was lucky. But I didn't want to have a murder on my hands. And since I couldn't talk sense to Martha or to Joe B., I figured my only hope was Will himself. Oh, come on in, Lester. Oh, thank you, Will. How's old Tartar? Well, he's getting smaller and smaller. Will, what kind of game are you playing? Why do you let Joe B. make a fool out of you? 
You know what he's been doing with them turtles. Well, you do, don't you? Yeah. So why do you let him get away with it? Look, Lester, I... I have to. I have to let him get away with you it. You realize everybody in town thinks that you're a, a sap? Well, Lester, they'd think so anyhow. That's no answer. Well, maybe there isn't any answer. There's gotta be. Why do you allow Joe B. Jefferson to make you the town fool? That's what he's doing, you know. Yes, I know. And why do you stand for it? Would you rather I killed him? Now then, it seems that more than one member of a certain family might want to kill Mr. Joseph B. Jefferson. Martha, we can understand. But mild-mannered, easygoing Will... Why does he feel he has to take abuse? Well, now, think of people you know who seem to keep asking for punishment. I'll be back shortly with Act Two. It has been written, tell one joke and you make ten enemies. But that's only if you tell a joke. The figures really expand when you perform a joke. Joseph B. Jefferson, or Joe B., as he is unaffectionately called, is playing a joke on Will Tatum, and Will knows it. I can't understand what you're saying, Will. Why would you have to kill Joe B.? In self-defense? Oh, you really lost me, Will. Joe B. ain't threatening your life. Oh, but he is. How? Lester, why does he play practical jokes? Why? Because he's full of fun. He's filled with hate. Oh, now, Will... It's how he expresses his hostility. Each joke is intended to bring pain and embarrassment to another human being. Now, Will... He hates people. Oh, that's going a bit far. You know I'm right, Lester. It's his way of wounding, even killing people. And we have to let him do it. You know why? Because if we stopped him, he'd have to do it in earnest. No, you lost me. Oh, no, you understand me. You just don't want to accept it, but you understand it. He hates me. First of all, because I married Martha. Oh, now, he never did have much of a chance with Martha. But he thinks he did. Second, I'm different. I, I read books. I have crazy ideas. Will, aren't you making too much of this? He has to have this outlet for his hatred, you see. Now, suppose I'd nip this whole turtle thing in the bud. Suppose I called the turn every time he pulled one of his jokes. I would eventually force him, provoke him, into physical violence. And then it would become a matter of kill or be killed. I wish there was something I could do. It keeps on building inside him. The urge to hurt people becomes stronger. And he has to satisfy it by becoming more and more complicated and expensive in his jokes. What's... He must have gone out and bought 15, maybe 20 turtles. All them little turtles look alike. Uh, not exactly alike, Lester. Not like these. I tell you, a jeweler couldn't match pearls in a lady's necklace more carefully. And the sizes. Oh, that has to be subtle planning. It's perfect. He's an artist. But his mind, Lester, it's, it's twisted. The time, the trouble. And, and now the very real risk he has to undergo. Well, I still say you have to stop it. He's making you look like a dummy. On the other hand, it's also known as turning the other cheek, isn't it? Oh, excuse me, Lester. Well, hi there, Will. I just thought I'd drop in to see how old Tartar's getting on. 
Not too good, Joe B. Well, hello there, Lester. Anybody being placed under arrest around here? Well, there's somebody that ought to be. Hey, now look at old Tartar. He did get just a mite smaller, don't you think, Will? Oh, poor old fellow. Will, Will, look at this. Look what I bought. Oh, I... I didn't know we had company. Well, good evening, Martha. Yeah, I was just going. What is that ugly old plate you got there, Martha? Is it one of them antiques you keep running after? <laughs> well, it's a... It's obviously a very old platter. The man said it was from somewhere in Central Europe around the 12th century. It doesn't matter. I only paid a dollar for it. A dollar for a beat-up tin thing like that? It's bronze. And you can see the designs on it. It looks like, like a coat of arms. Say, Martha, you may have stumbled across a real fine. It must have been two days later when it all began. Early in the morning. Before Martha and Will had to leave for work. Joe B. came to call. Martha, Will, I want you to listen to me. And not interrupt till I've said my piece. I I had a dream last night. Uh, Would you like a cup of coffee, Joe B.? I've seen an angel. An angel dressed in white and holding a sword. The hilt was gold and the blade was made of fire. And this angel said to me in a voice as sweet as honey, but at the same time edged with steel, Joseph B. Jefferson... You change your ways here. You stop playing impractical jokes on people. Or you will roast an everlasting flame of hell. Will, Martha, can you ever forgive me? For- forgive you? Now, what, what is this all about, Now, forgive Toby? me for the stunt I pulled on you with that turtle. I've been... I've been switching 15 of them back and forth. Forgive me for all the pain and embarrassment I've ever caused you. Ah, oh, Joe. Now, Peter. starting today, I'm beginning a new life. I, I want to be your friend. I mean, a real friend. And I want you to be mine. Oh, Joe B., I, I, I can hardly believe what I'm hearing. I, I can hardly believe what I'm saying, Martha, but well, something come over me, a kind of a transformation. Oh, Joe B., Will and I, we would truly value your friendship. For the next week, all you could hear around town was the transformation of Joe B. Folks could hardly believe it. But there was Joe B, smiling, gentle, kindly, a new Joe B. A fellow could just not do enough for you. I said to myself, if this is a practical joke of Joe B's, sure, it's the biggest one of them all. But what could he gain by it? Well, one morning he was having breakfast with Martha and Will when Joe Purley, the letter carrier, knocked on the door. Morning, Miss Tatum. Oh, what can I do for you, Mr. Curley? I got a letter here. I think maybe it's too important to live in the box. <laughs> Never did handle such a letter in all my entire life. And that's a handsome envelope, ain't it? It's made out of parchment. And your name and address is engraved. You see, there's this... Well, it looks like some royal coat of arms right here. Oh, thank you, Mr. Curley. If it turns out there's anything in this envelope that concerns you, I'll send for you immediately. Good morning. Good oh, morning. <laughs> Will, yes, Will, what do you make of this? Hey, that's something. <gasps> well, well, open it. Well, it's almost a pity to tear this envelope. What could it be? Oh, oh, what does it say? Let me see. Here, dear Mrs. Tatum, an heirloom of purely sentimental value, which has been in our family for some generations, disappeared some time ago. I have traced it to the United States and, by a fortunate stroke, to you. I am interested in buying it, and I offer you five hundred dollars. I, I am staying at the Excelsior Hotel in Chicago. 
The plate has no intrinsic value, and $500 is an extremely generous offer. May I hear from you? Signed, Maximilian Maruca, Grand Duke. Oh, Will, what do you think? Gee, well, what a stroke of luck. And it only cost me a dollar. Hey, let's send this guy a letter immediately. <laughs> well, 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 what, Joby? Well, it's your platter, your decision. But why should this fellow offer you $500 for that junky platter? Well, obviously, it's a family heirloom. Obviously? Why? Because he says so? Well, why $500? Why not, why not $50? Why not $1,000? Who is he, anyhow? It says here, Prince Maximilian Maruca, the royal house of Serenia. Serenia? Well, now, where is Serenia? I never heard of it. Well, still, a man wants to offer us $500. Now, that's a return of $499 on my investment. Are you saying not to take it? All I'm saying, Martha, is sleep on it. Well, Martha and Will, they couldn't sleep on it. They was too excited. $500 was like a fortune. Well, you sleep on it? Yes. Yeah, and we decided to take the man's offer. Well, if that's what you decided... I'll write this fellow, Prince Maximilian, in the Excelsior Hotel in Chicago. No, you can do better than that, honey. You can call him up. Oh, that's right. Oh, hello? I want to place a long-distance call to the Excelsior Hotel in Chicago. To a Prince Maximilian Maruca. Right. Well, just think all the things we could do with that $500, huh? My goodness, she, she's ringing the hotel now. And the clerk is answering. Oh, see who that is, Will? Yeah, sure. Oh, my goodness. The clerk is ringing the prince's room right now. Good morning, folks. Got another important-looking letter. One of them real classy parchment envelopes. Oh, oh thank you, Mr. Farley. Oh, it must be another letter from the prince. Open it, dear. See what he says. It's answered. The phone is answered. Hello? Oh, my goodness, it's the prince. Oh, Martha. Uh, yes, Your Highness. Uh, I'm Mrs. Tatum. Martha. I, I got your letter. Yes, sir, Ed, your offer is acceptable. No, no, Martha, this is a letter from the Grand Duke Tycroft who offers you $1,000 for the platter. What? $1,000. Oh, uh, Prince, oh, your highness, I'll, I'll call you back. What does that letter say? Well, it says, dear Mrs. Tatum, we are tracing a valuable relic of our country's past. We have reason to believe you may have bought it at a flea market. Enclosed is a picture. If it is the same platter, I will offer you $1,000 for it. Sincerely, the Grand Duke Vassil Tycross Hotel, Imperial, New York City. Oh, Will, you realize what this means? It means we can get $1,000 for it. Only, Martha, you already agreed to sell it for 500 to the prince. I agreed to no such thing. He accepted his offer. Uh, if you'll excuse me, Will, Martha didn't exactly accept. You know, she said his offer was acceptable. That's merely a statement of fact. Not intent. Ethically, she accepted his offer. But we can get twice as much from this new person. Martha, promise is a promise. But it's a thousand dollars against five hundred. Money isn't everything. You talk as if it's nothing at all. Sometimes, Will Tatum, it might be well for you to get your head out of the clouds. Oh, Martha, Martha, Will. Will, you two shouldn't quarrel over money. But they did quarrel. They quarreled long and loud. And you should remember they were both folks who'd never quarreled at all. And the letters came from Chicago, from New York, from the Prince, from the Grand Duke. Dear Mrs. Tatum, if my original offer is insufficient, I will raise it to $1,500. It is of the utmost importance that 
my family recover this precious heirloom. I offer you $2,000. $5,000 signed Prince Maruka. $10,000 Grand Duke Tycroft. And you, Will, you wanted to sell this platter for $500. Now when I get this $50,000... 50, 50 You've only been offered ten. These two men need that plate. I tell you, the bidding will reach 50000 More! I've never seen you like this, Mark. Oh, I'm glad I listened to Joe B. There's a man with brains. All right, now stop, stop, stop right there and now. It's a stunt. What? How? How could it be a stunt? Well, you said the magic word, Joe B. I don't understand. Ah, Joe B's been trying to tear me down in your eyes ever since we've been married. You know it. The direct attack doesn't work, so he switches tactics. What kind of tactics? Well, it's working, isn't it? We're quarreling with each other. This house has become unpleasant, uncomfortable. Well, Will, I... Honey, I it's the old catch-flies-with-honey routine. Now, that platter you picked up at some flea market gave him an inspiration. So he's been writing you these phony letters. Phony? Of course they're phony. They have to be phony. But, Will... I've spoken to both the prince and the Grand Duke in, in Chicago and New York. Oh, phony. He hired actors. But will he... Martha, I can prove it. Beyond the shadow of a doubt. When in doubt, quote Shakespeare, reputation is an idle and most false imposition, oft got without merit and lost without deserving. Or the Bible. Can the leopard change its spots? The point is, has Joe B. undergone a sincere conversion, or is the wolf only disguised in sheep's clothing? Act three shall complete the tale. finding a Rembrandt in some old dusty attic, or stumbling on that rare forgotten first edition, or that priceless coin or stamp, and Martha Tatum dreamed that dream too. Now it would seem her dream has come true, but there is a small cloud, no larger than a man's hand, looming on the horizon, and that cloud's name is Joe B., how can you prove all this is just another one of Joe B.'s stuff? I'll prove it. Look, would he hire a man to live at the Excelsior Hotel in Chicago and another to stay at the Imperial in New York? Well, they've been there two weeks, and those places cost a fortune. Oh, Martha, money is no object to Joe B. He's willing to spend it. But to invest so much money, effort, time, he'd have to be crazy. He is crazy. Dangerously crazy. But where's your proof? It's in the public library. It's a public library. Yeah, come on along. Now this, this is the Almanac de Gotha. It's got a listing of all the royal and noble families of Europe. Now, Joe B. wouldn't know about a thing like this, you see. So let's turn to Serenia and just see. If... Well, we'll look. Right here, at the bottom of the page. The, the House of Maruca, first Prince Maximilian. There is a Prince Maruca, a real prince. Now, turn to the key. Yeah, but, but, but Martha, how... Here, the House of Tycroft. Hereditary Grand Dukes, perpetually at war with the House of Maruca. 
Gee, Martha, I... That's why they're bidding against each other for the platter. It it must have some sort of political significance. Okay, all right, all right. He's he's smarter than I gave him credit for. Will! He knew I'd check up on him. Oh, Will, you're becoming neurotic on the subject. Now, wait a minute. The Almanac de Gotha. You usually don't find that in small town libraries. What's it doing here? You're the one who said... I I can prove something. Just, Just let me talk to Letty, the librarian. Uh, Laddie? Good morning, Will. Uh, Laddie, the Almanac de Gotha, how does it happen that you've got it? It came as a gift. Oh, a gift, huh? Oh, we get lots of books as gifts. And when did it come? A few weeks ago. Who sent it? It was anonymous. Yeah. Yeah, that figures. You see, Martha, it all falls into place. He got the almanac to Gotha and found the family names he wanted. And then he sent the almanac here to the library in case I became suspicious. Will, are you sure you're all right? And now the story's all over town. But you're being unreasonable. The bidding will go up, up, up to a hundred thousand, and then the whole thing will collapse and be exposed for the practical joke that it is. The biggest practical joke Joe B. ever pulled. Oh, Will, leave Joe B. out of this. He's reformed. He has nothing to do with it. No. Well, you always wanted to believe good of everyone. Everyone except Joe B. I can prove he's at the bottom of it. You haven't been able to prove anything yet. Well, Will was right. The whole town was talking, gossiping and speculating. And people just couldn't get over Martha Tatum's good luck. But things were going from bad to worse between Will and Martha. Who? Oh, oh, yeah, she is. Uh, Martha. Thank you. Hello? Oh, yes, Paul. Uh, surely. Now, I, uh, I wanted the sofa in blue. And, um, how about lime for the drapes? <laughs> lime, yes. Well, we can talk about it tomorrow. Bye now. What can we talk about tomorrow, Martha? And who is Paul? Oh, he's a new interior decorator in town, and he, he's designing our new home. What new home? The one we're going to buy. With what? With the money we're getting from the plate. But, Martha, we're not getting any money. The whole thing's a fraud. Oh, the bidding is already up to 30000 so it shows what you know. Martha, what's happened to you? You've lost your head. You're not going to get any money. Joe B., this is to be his greatest stunt. Will, if you speak one more word against Joe B., I... I'll never talk to you again in my life. Well, Will, what are you doing here? What am I doing here? What are you, a deputy sheriff, doing in a saloon? Well, I came here to get a drink. You came here to get drunk. Two different things. Well, happy days. You won't find happy days in the bottom of that glass. Will, what's it all about? Martha, you see, Lester, Joe B's going to make her and me the laughingstock of this town. This royal plate stunt of his, he'll make Martha look like such a fool. And when it suits him, he'll tell everybody how he worked. Oh, I can't believe it. Remember when I told you he was progressing from a hot foot and exploding cigars? The stunts would get grander and... More elaborate, more expensive. Yeah, but you have to have proof, Will. I have the best proof in the world. The feeling in my bones. Okay, maybe you're right. What are you going to do? I don't know. Yes. Yes, I do know. This is a showdown that has to come. I try to keep peace. 
I went out of my way. But this thing between Joe B. and me, it's got to be settled. Final. Well, Will, don't be hasty. Well, you're the one who said it originally, Lester. You remember when he pulled the turtle trick? You said I'd have to stop him, and I said no. Well, I see now that was just appeasement on my part. But, but what do you plan to do? Oh, I can't discuss that with the deputy sheriff. Morning, folks. Here's your usual mail from the royalties and, and the rest of it. Oh, thank you, Mr. Curley. Good day. Hey, well, what's the price today, Miss Tatum? Oh, you'll be informed in due time, Mr. Uh-huh. Curley. Now, what's this? Oh, Mrs. Tatum, on behalf of a free Serenia, we beg you not to sell the plate to either the Grand Duke or the Prince. This plate, the symbol of authority, should be given to the Committee for a Free Serenia. We have no money, but you will be amply repaid by the goodness of your deed. What do you suppose this is all about? Oh, you read it. It's fantastic. Give them the platter. Give them? Well, yes, certainly. They, they deserve it. Oh, now, now I know why the Duke and the Prince kept bidding. Evidently, the party that has the place has the claim to being the legitimate government. Oh, I'll have to show this to Joe B. It puts a new perspective on things. Oh, this plate, it's no longer worth thousands. It's the fate of a nation. It's, it's worth millions. But if we believe in freedom and justice and liberty... Oh, but we do. We certainly do. Well, then we should give this to the people, not not sell it. Oh, you should never let sentiment interfere with business. Is that something you learned from Joe B.? Well, it's certainly something you never learned. What do you think, Joe B.? Well, Martha, it's got to be a crank. This thing's been in the papers. Obviously, somebody's trying to cash in on it. Forget it. Forget it. Here's what we're going to do, Martha. We'll invite the Grand Duke and the Prince to come here, say, on Saturday, and they can bid. Winner gets the plate. Oh, I'd better answer it, Joe B. Hi, folks. Just one letter today. What's the bid now? Oh, you won't miss a thing. I promise you, Mr. Pearlie. Good day. Good day. This envelope, it looks the same as the one I got the other day. It is the same. Listen, uh, dear Mrs. Tatum, the plate belongs to the people. We will use any means to recover it. If you refuse to let us have it, the committee for a free Serenia. Well, that settles it. Settles what? This can be dangerous. Oh, Will, I tell you, it's a crime. I won't have that plate in my house. Just a minute. It's as much my house no, as no, yours. No, wait, I... I will take custody of the plate for you, Martha. I'm handling the negotiations anyhow. Oh, well, it'll probably be safer with you. Now, we'll set the time and place for the prince and Grand Duke to arrive. Tell them to bring plenty of money. Well, you mean you're, you're going to disregard this letter? How can you? Well, I uh, I better be getting along. Got plenty of details to tend to. Uh, let me have the plate. Huh? Well, but oh, we'll, we'll talk goodbye, later. Goodbye, folks, and will. <laughs> Don't be so nervous. Martha... Martha, get out of it. Out of what? Give the plate to the committee, whoever they are. And give up a million dollars? Martha, there isn't any million dollars. Come Saturday, you'll be waiting for the phony prince and the grand duke, and nobody will show up. And and then uh, Joe B will start laughing out loud in public and start telling how he did it. Well, let me show you how wrong you are. You say the grand duke is phony. The prince is phony. The plate is phony. Yes. Then if it's all phony... Why isn't the Committee for Freedom or whatever phony, too? You see? You can't answer that. Well, from here on, a lot of things can't be answered. Because that night, I was sitting in my office, 
I got a call from Letitia Haas, the librarian who lives down the street from Joe B. Lester, you better come quick. I think I've seen someone prowling around the outside of Joe B.'s house. And I'm not sure, but I think he might have had a gun. But just as I arrived at Joe B.'s house, I heard... I jumped out of the car. I ran into the house. Yeah, there was the heavy smell of cordite. A gun had gone off in here. And in the living room, lying dead on the floor, was Joe B. Yeah, all 300 pounds of Joe B. Dead. The plate, you... You say the plate's gone, Lester? Yeah, it's gone, Martha. then, Then the committee, whoever they were... Came there and, and killed him. Oh, poor Joby. Yeah, poor Joby. You better lie down, dear. Yes. Before you do, Martha, you say you were asleep when it happened, and Will. Yes, Will and I went to sleep at the same time. I see. Go get some rest, Martha. Yes, yes, I will. Did you kill him, Will? Why would I kill him? Well, let us say you went over to his house. <laughs> Why? Talk him a way out. Get rid of the plate by giving it to the committee or whatever. This means that poor Martha isn't left with egg on her face, waiting for the nobility to show up and offer her millions. He refuses. He wants you and her to be humiliated completely. So you shoot him. Now, Lester, why should I shoot the man who's helping my wife to become a millionaire? Will... You told me it had come to a showdown. You or him. His practical jokes had forced one of you to kill the other. Oh, but he reformed. He no longer played jokes. Now, what do you call this plate thing? Who says that's a joke? The names are real? Who says the letters are a fake? Who says the plate is a fake? It's gone, so we'll never know. You call the hotels in New York and Chicago. The Prince and the Duke, dead register there. Yeah, but we know... What do we know? Lester, we only know that my wife bought a plate at a flea market. From then on, she received a number of letters. One of them was threatening. And as a result, Joe B. was killed. The plate is gone and the whole thing is all over. Now, can we let it rest at that? Well, I suppose we'll have to let it rest at that. And there the matter rested. And who knows the truth? Was it a genuine antique plate? Did the royal houses and the revolutionaries try to recover it? Did Will write the last letters himself? If he did, he'd be a fool to tell. And basically, why should we even press him? Well, we'll have something interesting to tell you in just a few moments. Do you have... The Boy Who Cried Wolf is a favorite fable for children, but it has its most serious applications. After all, adults who cry wolf, by virtue of their very age, have been crying it longer than children. So, here you had Joe B., Joseph B. Jefferson, a practical joker all his life. Had he reformed in the end, or was this his last and greatest 
stunt. Our cast included Hans Conried, Ian Martin, Reiner Rayburn, and Joe Silver. The entire production was under the direction of Hyman Brown. Radio Mystery Theater was sponsored in part by Buick Motor Division and Anheuser-Busch Incorporated, Brewers of Budweiser. This is E.G. Marshall inviting you to return to our mystery theater for another adventure in the macabre. Until next time, pleasant dreams.